the 15 Minutes to Financial Freedom educational podcast series hosted by Arvind Venn. These 15 minute or so podcasts are meant to educate and empower listeners about key financial topics towards the road to financial independence in plain English and without financial jargon. Arvind Venn is an independent financial advisor, founder, and CEO of Capital V Group in Cupertino, California. He is regularly featured in leading national financial publications such as Forbes and many others. And now for our host, Arvind Venn. Hello and welcome to this edition of 15 Minutes to Financial Freedom. I'm your host, Arvind Venn, independent financial advisor and CEO of Capital V Group. So today's episode um, is about real estate, something that we constantly talk about but can't get enough of, as at least in Silicon Valley. I have a special guest today. I'm, I'm excited to have him today. I'm going to introduce him very briefly before we, we bring him on. But as an advisor, I like numbers, and I look at financial numbers, the metrics, quite a bit. So I look at rent versus buy, for example, to see whether the same piece of real estate or home, there's a discount in renting, versus the loaded cost of, of the carrying cost of buying that home. Another metric is whether is multiple of annual rent. If say the, the annual rent of a place is $60,000 per year or $5,000 per month, a usual number would be, a usual metric would be like say 10X, 10 times, maybe 15 because we are so special out here but the metrics here are more like 30 to 40 times, maybe more. So that's out of the window. And the other thing also is that in terms of overall household income, usual metric is like maybe three times household income, maybe four at the most. So a, a household making say $300,000 a year, which is a big number, which is, which is quite a big number, not very common in the US, but at least in Silicon Valley, that is a starting point even to buy, to think of buying a home. So that metric also is like more like six, seven times more, maybe even eight times. So all those metrics go out of the window. That's why I decided that, you know, I need to have a real estate expert out in the show to kind of walk us through what exactly is going on here. So I learned about this segment's guest by reading his real estate advice column, MarketWise, which he writes for the Bay Area News Group and his flagships, the Mercury News and the East Bay Times. We've spoken several times. We have had some very animated conversations. So I, I, I really wanted to have him on the show. And also been very impressed by his analysis and also the, how he leans on data to make certain points. My guest today is realtor Pat Kapovich, has a unique perspective on the housing market, brokering residential real estate through several recessions, numerous housing cycles under seven presidential administrations. So Pat knows real estate. He's been also been spotlighted and written for the Wall Street Journal, the San Jose Business Journal, and numerous real estate uh, publications. And realtor Pat Kapovich is a certified real estate brokerage manager and broker owner of Kapovich Real Estate. He's based in his hometown of Sunnyvale, California, in the heart of Silicon Valley. Pat, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure having you today. Welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. So tell me what's going on here. I mean, I, I gave you some of these metrics that I, I look at. You've seen this industry over three recessions and a few decades. You've seen the ups and downs. 
why are these metrics not making sense and why are these just not applicable out here? Well, what we noticed is during the pandemic, people can work from home. So we know that, and that created the ability for people to move and work in remote areas or small towns. And so we had a lot of people moving and taking their Silicon Valley practice of multiple offers with them and the super low interest rates. Now the interest rates are several points lower than they were during the great recession. That's right. But now having said that, now with the rates looking like there's no place to go but up, and the question is how fast and how much, what do you see happening overall in the housing market and here in the Bay Area? Okay. Now today's home buyers, according to an economist for Fidelity Financial, Fidelity is also a title insurance company. He says that the purchasing power of today's home buyer is considerably greater than it was during 2006. So in, their incomes are up and the interest rates are down. Addition, a lot of the real estate economists that I follow, they follow the demographics and they're ready to buy and they're flocking to the market. Now, on that note, mm -hmm. in the late 90s, I was doing seminars for the banks, the local banks, and I represented, I was a buyer's agent in over 30 transactions. And those interest rates were in the eights. Right. Okay. And all of those home buyers made a hundred thousand on their home before they moved up. So when they're <laughs> ready to buy, they're ready to buy. Right. So, but yeah. now with, with the affordability gap, I mean, those are great points, Pat, in terms of the, I know that you speak with the economists pretty often, as well as the um, real estate industry. But what about affordability gap? I mean, I threw those numbers out here. You keep reading about all this, the, the newer generation having trouble even getting into the market. Do you see that as an issue? Yeah, it has been an issue. In fact, here in Sunnyvale, while I was hosting the Zoom calls for the Silicon Valley Association of Realtors, we were raising money for the local food bank. So while the big companies like Apple and the like were buying office complexes, the Sunnyvale Community Services was feeding 2,500 families a month. So that K economy was happening in, in full strength. Now, back to the purchasing power. So we have wealthy people buying homes here in Silicon Valley because they're well-paid. And then, for instance, in San Diego, it is the least affordable place to buy of a metro area. And one of the lawmakers is introducing a bill that it's called the anti-flipping bill to help first-time buyers get into the property because the first-time buyers are being outbid by home flippers with cash offers. That's an interesting point. But let me just uh, uh, clarify something. So you mentioned that that's interesting data that San Diego is the, the least affordable. Is that based on a, the median, in, median income of the area versus the uh, median house price? Is that how they calculate that? Yeah, it's all of the above. Okay, okay. And we'll come back to this topic again during this podcast, but I, Pat, your, your brand is consumer protection. So I'm sure that a lot of my listeners would love to hear your thoughts on what are the common mistakes that you see buyers and sellers make, as well as the real estate agents that work with them? Okay, good question. Now, this is something, uh, consumer protection 
is now seen, frowned upon. It's almost quaint or old fashioned. However, that due diligence that you have with your clients as, as well as a real estate agent, we have today this rash of non-contingent offers nationwide. Now, traditionally, when you one buys a home, they have three to four contingencies. That's safety mechanism where the buyer can safely leave the transaction and retrieve their earnest money deposit and the seller resells the property. That went away in, in, in full force, especially here in Silicon Valley. And what we're seeing is an epidemic of deposit disputes where the buyer cancels a day or a week later after ratifying a contract. And now there's a legal claim about the deposit. Will the buyer be able to get, the buyer wants to cancel and get their deposit back. And the seller says, no, I'm not giving you the deposit back. I remember you saying that non-contingent offers, uh, these offers are actually a potential cost to the consumers. And I guess this is one way uh, that it can be a pretty significant cost. What's fascinating here from the outside, not from the real estate um, side of the business is that this is going to be the single largest purchase for any individual, I would think, especially in the Bay Area, given that the median price itself is in the seven figures. Do you see that will calm down or do you see that happening more often? Well, I first saw this during the dot-com craze with mm -hmm. the money and people were making offers and to sweeten the offer, they would say non-contingent. And when I represented sellers, I would say, not here. You're not going to do that here. We will give you an escape clause, so to speak. We will give you a week to calm down, think about it, sleep on it, make sure you want to buy this house. Because in California, home sellers are the target of post-sale litigation. And what we're speaking about here in your uh, show, the theme of your show is to gain wealth throughout your lifetime. We don't want to lose any going right. into litigation over a property that A, we should not have bought, or B, a disgruntled buyer with buyer's remorse. So all the real estate attorneys that I follow are always busy with transactions that have gone off the rails. I, I see. I mean, it's, it's bound to happen, right? Because when there's this feeding frenzy from what I can see in even my own neighborhood, when the some house is listed for sale and we can barely get through to our own homes and then there's a bidding war. And I think many people cut corners, right? So that's, so, so what does the crystal ball say, Pat? I mean, do you see this with rising interest rates? Do you see that, that things will calm down? Also the NASDAQ took a dip from, from the crazy heights of, of a year ago during COVID heights, especially for the growth stocks. What does the crystal ball say going forward, say this year, next year, and the year after with higher inflation, higher rates, and potentially a, a NASDAQ that stays flat? The one advantage, as you know, with the COVID situation is everyone went on Zoom, became comfortable with Zoom and video conferencing. All the subject matter experts in every industry are available either in a webinar or on LinkedIn, et cetera. So I've been able, I've listened to more economists this year than I did probably throughout <laughs> the year. Okay. So they all feel that the housing market will remain strong. We still have limited supply. California has been underbuilding 27 out of the last 35 years. We have expensive building materials, limited labor, 
the builders want to build, but they all say, I'd love to build, but they have all this pushback from the city planning, the building departments and, and whatnot. But back to your original question, when it does slow down, that's when we could slow down on the sales and transactions and marketing for these transactions on a home sale. And it, it's counterintuitive that we would speed up a process when the market is hot and that it, it's the, when a real estate market is so low in inventory, it's akin to Christmas shopping the day before Christmas, right? And so the, the malls are packed back uh, before the malls became a thing of the past. But the idea is we don't need to speed up the process for a home seller. We could slow everybody down and do it correctly. And that's what we will see when the market slows down, we see the contingencies coming back up, due diligence starts to increase and consumer protection for the sellers and the buyers. Right. Well, that's, I guess that time will tell, maybe we'll see how the next year pans out in terms of what's happening overall. But to, to come back and to just wrap up just this one topic. So I know you, you mentioned about, you always talk about the erosion of best practices. So are these some of the things that you're that you mentioned in terms of the no contingencies and and rushing through the process? Any what other I mean best practices that you think are being eroded during this time? Well, the idea is now speed. How fast can we do a transaction? And real estate attorneys that I interview, they often say that a real estate agent representing the seller can work for eight, 10, 12 hours on a transaction. And how they know that, that's the ones, of course, that are being deposed because that's the interrogation, lack of a better term. So when you're doing it by speed and these disclosures, a seller in California has to fill out dozens of pages of disclosures and advisory. Nowadays, the real estate agent emails it to the seller and say, please complete this and my assistant will um, be back in a week to check on you. Oh, wow. Mm, that's so right. So now you want to go over every question and every answer before you release that to the public. And all the disclosures should match the inspection. So the idea is having completed set of inspections. Now, here in California, we started it in West Santa Clara County for a seller, home seller, to have all the inspections, roof, chimney, termite, foundation, property on the table before the for sale sign goes on the lawn. And then that started to spread. Now that those are not meant to substitute for buyer inspections. Right. I mean, so I, I guess we'll have to uh, wait for, for, for the time once again, where things get back to quote unquote normal, whatever that may be just in terms of what I call the proper practices to follow right now. It, it has been, Definitely very freewheeling, as you pointed out, and you're seeing this. Right? Now, there is an economic advantage to this, due diligence. Now, we see now in the hottest market of our lifetime, homes are selling nationwide in 18 days, statewide in nine days, in Santa Clara County, nine days. Now, I've been doing that. My medium time in the market for a house is nine days through the recessions, through the five decades I've been a real estate agent. And that's having everything in place, proper due diligence and consumer protection, because the buyers know it and the agents know it. Now, that typically will get you multiple offers in a down market, top dollar, 
happy buyers, happy sellers, and no post-sale litigation. Very important, right? You don't want buyers remorse. Now, I have a question for you. Is sure. This is what you're hearing now is we have this, it seems like two trains on the track here. We have this housing market that's hot and limited supply, not only building materials as well as homes for sale, but the economists are mentioning that we have inflation, we have high gas prices, we have the war, we have the two-year note and the 10-year note that inverted. One economist mentioned it's only twice since the 1970s that the inflation rate is higher than our interest rates. Right. So the last seven times the yield curve was inverted, I think five times you've had a recession, but not not the last couple of times. I think the bigger question here is, is the concern is as inflation goes up and the interest rate goes up, the key is a soft landing. The worst thing to happen would be stagflation, like what happened in the 70s, where you're stagnant growth, but rampant inflation, what I call the, the worst of both worlds. So we don't want that part. Hopefully, the Fed will be able to engineer a soft landing where growth continues to happen and the increased rates will tamp inflation, but not kill growth. And that's, I think, that's the fundamental that remains to be seen. I think by the same time next year, it'll be an, an interesting regime to see what, how much the Fed has been able to raise, despite all the talk, and how well they've been able to tamp inflation without uh, stifling growth. I think the, the, the jury is still out on that. Yeah. One of the economists for the National Association of Realtors does not feel that the inflation will be under control this year or next. And it's very possible that so we are, it, it all again depends on how much quantitative tightening that the Fed is able to do, right? Wanting to do and being able to do are two different things. And how much rates and how fast they can raise it will be again another number to watch. But the inflation is high and staying high. So they, uh, they're not using the word transitory anymore. <laughs> I think the, that that train has left the station a while ago. Right, right. Right. So, yeah. I'd like to add in terms of, we've often heard about people leaving California and the Santa Clara County Assessor, Larry Stone, has commented twice this year that we did have in 2020, 650,000 people leave California. However, 480 people arrived in California from other states. 480,000, you mean, yeah, almost close to a... So that was a net mm-hmm. loss of 170,000 people. Right, right. So, yeah, that's a great point. I wanted to ask you, but thanks for bringing the point up. Do you see there's a lot of articles from publications outside the state about this exodus from California? Is is the demise of California greatly exaggerated? Well, what are you seeing, Pat? That, that's what I, I've always felt. We see this after every recession or during a recession or going into it, that uh, people are leaving California. Now, by the way, before, from 2016 to 2021, California gained 333,000 333, residents. Okay. Now, back to your question. Now, mm-hmm. I've never, I've been following the news since I was a kid. I never have seen so much good news and bad news in the newspapers. Uh, what happened during COVID is LinkedIn, Tesla, Google, Apple, Amazon, Facebook, and the like were acquiring buildings or doing major leases right up until uh, the last quarter of last right, year. Right. So to say that Silicon Valley is dead. Now, by the way, in Silicon Valley, I think we have 16 million 
square feet of high rise office space under construction or in the pipeline. Wow, that's 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 a big number. And the people in the know say that Silicon Valley, the office rents have reached an all time high, and it's the number one market for office space. And you see that uh, continuing to grow. So yeah, very interesting data. I mean, I know that you have a lot of good data. You are in constant contact with economists and the real estate industry. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. Very interesting uh, information, also with with all the data and backing it up. So as we wrap up, what new laws are on your watch list and, and what do you see happening? I mean, my previous podcast was with an estate attorney. We, we spoke about California Prop 19 that passed last year. Okay, good question. The, we have what's called the balcony bill. Twice in Malibu, there were people on a, red, a wood deck overlooking the ocean and the deck collapsed into the rocks below. Oh, and of course, we had the tragedy in Berkeley in 2013 with college students visiting from Ireland and that collapsed. So that sparked this Senate 326, I think it is, the balcony bill, where homeowner associations, and we have 55,000 associations in California, have to do a visual inspection of wood balconies and wood walkways that are higher. I think it's over uh, six feet elevation. And then we have to do destructive testing with a structural engineer for a certain number of balconies now and that requires a reserve study so that needs to be disclosed to any home buyers and anyone that owns a condo townhouse should be aware of that coming in so that that's already on the books and that's coming and people are not discussing it they're not discussing it at the homeowner association and there's going to be a backlog trying to get the right people that's a great point because I think many are not aware. And if you just drive around, even the South Bay, I mean, you see so many condos that are built in the 70s or 80s. Several of them have, have wooden balconies. Just to drive around shows that. And yeah. I'm glad that you're pointing it out. And I hope that people uh, are aware of this law or, or, or the soon to upcoming law. Well, I, I was in the trades as a young man, teenager. And I, when I see old walkways or stairs, I look underneath to see if this thing's going to fall as I walk up, <laughs> right? And right. common problem here. Now, the other one is defensible space and fire hardening. That is in California, what in America, I think we have over 60,000 forest fires a year. In California, we're averaging 8,600 forest fires a year. So the Assembly Bill 2672 is now law as of last summer, and that is to have a fire break around your home if you're in a high fire area. So you have to clear out the, the foliage or trees surrounding your house. Now, here's the gotcha here. That this, the, if, you're, if one is selling their home, the seller needs to do it. However, the seller can delegate that to the buyer. So after the buyer moves in, they have one year to clear the trees. Now, cutting down one tree could be $1,000. Right. Okay. So that, those are the two most important laws that people are not discussing that could be a financial bite in one's budget. That's very good to know. And I hope that our listeners are tuning in, are making note of this. I'm glad that uh, we're having our conversation or animated conversation on the, on the podcast. So we definitely need to have you back again soon. 
I know, I know you have lots of uh, good information. So, so thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And thank you for the coffee the other day. Oh, my pleasure. I look forward to catching up again soon. You have a great um, rest of the day and a great weekend. And we will we'll catch up again soon. Again, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. So we look forward to seeing you soon and you tuning in as next podcast. You can also read more about us at www.capitalvgroup.com or call us at 408-725-7122 or you can like us or read more about us on Twitter and on Facebook. Arvind Venn is a registered representative with advisory services and securities offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, and SIPC. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. The information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific tax issues with a qualified tax advisor. Financial planning offered through Capital V Group, a registered investment advisor and a separate entity from LPL Financial. 